I've seen people make a good return on investment from their book from having even fewer than a thousand subscribers. The thing is, you don't have to sell thousands and thousands of copies of your book if your book is designed to generate leads for your business. We stand today. The Business Method with a shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars and annual revenue and now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results economies and cultures there's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method Today, you guys, we hop on the mic with the world's only award-winning celebrity-recommended number one international best-selling certified professional ghostwriter. He is the founder of The Entrepreneur's Wordsmith, a multiple-time number one international best-selling ghostwriter, a Forbes contributor ghostwriter, a TEDx speaker, and a two-time published novelist, and his name is Joshua Lysak. Since 2011, Joshua has ghostwritten over 40 books and has been featured in TED, TEDx, BBC, Radio London, Founder, American Express, Yahoo, The Huffington Post, The Right Life, The Side Hustle Show, and numerous other outlets. And what is really cool is that in just the past couple of years, Joshua has helped his clients use a book to build a million-dollar product funnel, exceed book sales goals by 200% using media appearances, average 10,000 books sold per month, and achieve a 70x return on investment. And that, for me, is impressive. So throughout the show, you guys, we're going to talk about who Joshua Lysak is. We're going to talk about uh, what is ghostwriting and how he has perfected the art. We're going to talk about starting a book idea because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that really want to write a book. Josh is going to give really good tips about that. We'll dive into self-publishing versus traditional publishing, the ghostwriting process, overcoming writer's block, and then we're going to actually dissect this million-dollar product funnel that Josh did with one of his clients, and he's also going to touch on his six principles of influential content. So we talk about some really, 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 really good things, and to top it off, if you check out his website, you guys, Josh is a really good copywriter. I was impressed with what I saw, so I want to give this tip for the listeners before we dive into the show. Joshua is a hustler. He's one of those people that reached out to come on to the Business Method podcast. I did not reach out to him. And uh, we have a lot of people that reach out to come on to our show. And uh, very few 
actually get to come onto the show when when they reach out to us. People need to really stand out. We need to be really impressed with what they've done and why they want to come on the show. And Joshua did a few things, and I'm going to mention this specifically. I hope he doesn't mind if I give his secrets away, but uh, I'm going to mention this because I'm, there's so many entrepreneurs out there that if you're trying to get on a podcast or you're trying to get noticed, you just do spammy things. You, uh, you just go out and and play your numbers game or you'll hire somebody to reach out to a bunch of podcasters to try to get you on the show. And while there's some merit in that, if you really want to stand out amongst the crowd, for example, if 200 people email us, maybe we might accept one of them to come on a podcast. Joshua is one of them, and I'll tell you exactly what he did. First off, he gave some really great accolades, really amazing things that stood out to me. He said that he helped a client by ghostwriting his book, Build a Million Dollar Product Funnel and that he was open to talk about it. So that was awesome. He did some really cool things for his clients, like exceeding goals by 200%, achieving a 70x return on investment for one of his clients. He uh, is an international certified professional ghostwriter, helping people write over 40 books, and he's written two books himself. So that was impressive, and that stood out to me. So I checked out more about Joshua's details behind the scene, and uh, we started chatting back and forth. One thing that he did, and I recommend that anybody do this, uh, is that he said that he would give a review on Apple iTunes for the podcast, which we really appreciate. And if any listeners are out there and want to give us a review, we really appreciate it. It really helps our podcast grow. The other thing that he mentioned that he would do is that he would help promote. And if you want to come on somebody's podcast, come on and tell them you're going to promote the show to their audience. And Joshua even said that, hey, I won't just promote it to my audience, but I'll even do a paid Facebook ad. And that was especially the straw that broke the camel's back. Not only did he offer to make a great show, which he did, but he also has the background and accolades uh, to prove it. And he wanted to talk about that. But on top of that, he's like, hey, I'll just do a paid Facebook ad. And it turns out to be a win-win. Even if he doesn't spend that much on a paid Facebook ad, it's going to go out to an audience that both uh, of us overlap. And it's a big win for us. And it's a big win for him. If he gets one client, he'll multiple X his ROI on, on his paid Facebook ad. And so really, you guys, like if you're trying to get on podcasts, because there's so many people that just hire some company or have a VA or have an assistant or somebody on their team, uh, spam the podcasting world to try and get on their show. But if, if you really want to stand out, uh, you've got to stand up and use methods that are similar to what Joshua did. So highly recommend it. Yeah, so one more thing before we jump into the show, you guys. We have to give a quick little plug for our event coming up, Get Shit Done Live, which is in Thailand, Chiang Mai, Thailand, from October 24th through November 2nd. 10 days of high-intense productivity with established entrepreneurs. Actually, we had a guy that went last year that just told me his name's Dave Sheffield, and Dave made $170,000 on Facebook ads that he started the last two days of Get Shit Done last year in Thailand. So uh, that's a heck of an ROI. You get a, If you get an ROI like Dave, you get your trip 
pretty much paid to come to Thailand. Not only do you get to network and hang out with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurs, but you get ideas that can pull something like 170,000 ROI. So short plug for that, you guys back to Joshua. We're going to jump into the show. Listen to all of it. It's very powerful. Check out his stuff. Smart guy. He's a hustler. He knows what he's doing. He's playing his game like a very intelligent entrepreneur. And without further ado, you guys, Joshua Lysak. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, welcome to the podcast today. I'm very excited to welcome Joshua Lisek. Did I pronounce that right, Joshua? Joshua Lisek? I go by by Lysek, but I frankly, I don't know uh. what the original pronunciation <laughs> of the name is. It could be Lisek, it could be Lysek, it could be something else entirely. Where does that, where is the name from? Uh, modern day Czechia, uh, Czech Republic, okay. Bulgaria, Slovakia, that uh, that part of the world. There's, in fact, quite a few mountains with that name. So one of these days, I'll be taking my son to the uh, the mountain and we'll be attending the mountain that our family is named after. Well, in April, this past April, I lived, I spent a month living in Bansko, Bulgaria. Oh, and okay. if you need a go-to spot, that's a beautiful mountain town, ski resort, amazing in the summer, amazing in the winter, uh, really good quality of lifestyle for probably the fraction of a price of what you live on in Dayton, then it's a good place to go and a good co-working place too. So if you need any tips on it, just let me know. Okay. Will do. I know an entrepreneur who works out of uh, Sofia there in there yeah. in Bulgaria. So I know it's a great place. Yeah, Sofia is great. Also, it's it's kind of like um, it's just got a good vibe to it. You know, you can tell. I mean, it's still Eastern Europe, but it's got uh, a good feel when you're walking around. You you don't you don't feel you know kind of pressed or tensed up like some Eastern European countries. You feel like oh, this has got a good you know kind of fun youthful tech scene going on. So it's a it's a good place too. So uh, let's talk about you, my friend. We'll get off Bulgaria here. <laughs> I was really excited when I heard about you uh, because you have so many really awesome accolades that I think can apply to our listeners and apply to the entrepreneurs that are out there on how to either brand, brand themselves, um, write a book. You uh, are a number one international international best-selling certified professional ghostwriter, uh, the founder of Entrepreneur Wordsmith, Ohio's certified professional, first certified professional ghostwriter, and uh, a TEDx speaker. Uh, you've published ghostwritten 40 books, been mentioned in TED, TEDx, BBC Radio, London founder, American Express, Yahoo, it goes on and on and on, side hustle show as well. And, uh, and you've done some really awesome things, and I love the work that you uh, folks like you do, Joshua, because it's so um, great for the entrepreneurs that are out there to to really catapult their, their brands and their businesses and their message to the world. Um, so first off, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I appreciate the welcome, Chris. I'm doing very, very well. I just returned from South America. I was down at the, uh, the southernmost tip of, of Brazil, the state of Santa Catarina. Uh, I was meeting with a client down there, actually, a, a well-known uh, public figure in, uh, in Brazil, meeting with him there on his, uh, his compound for a few days, get the feel of his personality and his story. And we'll be uh, we're, we're working on his books, released sometime uh, next year, as you can expect with a lot of my, a lot of my clients, given that 
you know, some of them are they're inventors or celebrities, they're household names or entrepreneurs. In many cases, we have uh, non-disclosure and confidentiality agreements, but not all cases, interestingly <laughs> Good, good. Well, maybe we can talk about some of those cases. Um, I, I feel like, you know, this is, this is what I really want to ask you, how you became a ghostwriter, because you um, have, have done so many cool things. Right, and you've ghostwritten forty books, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, where does where does one start off? You know, uh, as a ghostwriter, what's your story? Yes, my story is that I became a professional ghostwriter completely by accident. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's rewind the clock to my childhood. Uh-huh. I wanted to be a novelist someday. I very much enjoyed C.S. Lewis, you know, the Narnia tales, J.R.R. Tolkien, the, the Middle Earth uh, saga. And I, as a young man, I wrote a couple of novels before I could legally drink alcohol here in the U.S. I had a two-book publishing deal. And while I'm there in college, I'm promoting these books, me and my novels. I fulfill a lifelong ambition for 90% of the population of this planet. You know, and I'm, and I'm 20 years old uh, going back then. Now, at the time, I was building a freelance writing business on the side to supplement my income, kind of become self-sufficient, learn my, uh, learn my ropes in the, the business-to-business and business-to-consumer uh, writing world. And it just so happened that as I'm promoting my novels, several business clients that I'm writing marketing campaigns for, building their funnels, writing their sales letters and sales pages, they say to me, interestingly enough, independently, like they hadn't talked to each other yet, but they reached out to me during our calls and they said, you know what, Joshua, I actually checked out your, your novel, that novel that you've been talking about. It's pretty good. Like I started reading it and before I know it, it's midnight and I'm 50, 60 pages in. I don't know how you did that, but I want you to do the same for me, please. I don't want to write a novel, fiction. I want to share my story. I want to uh, you know, tell the tale of how I became the, the entrepreneur, the, the business leader that I am today. Can you help me? And like a real idiot, I said no. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second, what, what, what is that? Is that a ghostwriter? Like, what, is that even, what does that even mean? Um, so I, I, I initially said uh, no thanks um, for a little while. And then fortunately, uh, a couple people were insistent uh, that I that I help them, you know, as kind of the next project. So I said, okay, sure, I'll I'll help you out. And uh, forty books later, I've been saying, sure, I'll help you out ever since. Wow, how cool, man! Um, you've got. It seems like you really love it. Like, are, are you ever going to write another novel? I, I don't think so. Strangely enough, no? <laughs> while I worked on my, I was working on the first ghostwriting project. I was working on my third and fourth novels because it was a, it was a series. It got a lot of traction. Interestingly enough, outside the United States, I had readers as far away as Germany and Egypt from Dayton, Ohio, saying, "When's the third and fourth book coming out? This is this is you know I, I love it." And yet, you know, here I am, uh, several years later. Those have been kind of on the on the back burner because. I've already fulfilled that literary dream, right, of, of getting the book deal, publishing the book and, and, you know, going to these book fairs and bookstores and signing books and meeting fans and being able to help other people do that now, especially people who are high profile individuals that have audiences already who have been begging them to write a book. I kind of, you know, see them as kindred spirits, uh, the, the type of people that I work with now. And so when I get to fulfill an author's dreams and they have their manuscript, the completed manuscript, the, the advanced reader copy in their hands for the first time, it's such an emotional moment 
um, perhaps akin to the work of a, of a midwife who's helping a, a mother deliver a child <laughs> into the world. That's, that's the best analogy I could use to describe how it feels to me. It's, it's so rewarding. <laughs> the entrepreneur's midwife, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you can think of it that literary midwife. Yes, literary yeah. midwife. <laughs> Some of the things that you've done that that really stood out to me. Yeah, I know you're working with these major influencers, which is great because we're talking about influence these days. But you used the book to build a million dollar product funnel, um, converted readers into consulting clients. And uh, you've exceeded book sales goals by 200%, averaged 10,000 copies uh, per month sold, um, achieved a 70x return on investment on their book, which is all really, really, really great. Uh, let's talk about if an entrepreneur is out there and they have a book in them, because we know all entrepreneurs have at least one, um, and they're looking to grow their personal brand, where would you advise them to start? Yes, yes. So there's an interesting place that I, I know that my advice on this topic goes a little bit against what, what some other publishing professionals out there say, but there's a good reason why. I wrote an ultimate guide for founder uh, a couple of months ago that is about how to start your book idea or more so determine what it is that in the world that you should even write about. Because obviously, if you're thinking about writing a book, you know that a book is the key that opens any door of influence that you so choose. Uh, whether you want mainstream media appearances, you want to have a legal friendly gateway drug to your brand, and it's a $20 commitment to become part of your tribe. And you know, like the uh, the, um, the million dollar product funnel that you just mentioned, that was the, the case for that uh, that author. You know, buy the book, you learn about this, this author's different methodology, and you say, I have to learn more, I have to become part of the program. You join the mastermind for $5,000, and you don't have to sell millions of books to make a million bucks as an author, uh, as long as you're approaching your writing strategically. So to get back to your initial question, Chris, about where do you start? What do you write about? How do you know you should even write one? As I talked about in Founder, what you want to do is not ask yourself just, what do I want to write about? Because then it's like you've walked into a library after a tornado. And all of the books scattered about are your ideas, your stories, your lessons, experiences, case studies, speeches you've given, and you don't know where they're supposed to go on the shelves. It's, it's total chaos. You open a Word document and you're staring at the blank screen and somehow you have nothing to say, yet you have everything to say you could possibly say. And it's a strange experience for a lot of aspiring authors. I know that those in the audience can, can relate to. You've been there before. But that's not where you need to start. Where you need to start is go and look at the book categories that you're going to be releasing your book in. In the book publishing world, we have what are called BISACs. BISACs are the classification system. So there's, for example, alternative therapies is a subcategory in health and wellness. So is your, is your, book, uh, your book coming out, is it about um, you know, CBD oil, for instance? Well, then that would be in the alternative therapies. A subcategory. So there's all different sorts of BISACs that are out there. So what you want to do is you want to go onto Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, the place for you typically purchase your books, and go look at the reviews for books, existing books, best-selling books, popular books, highly reviewed, critically acclaimed books that are available right now in the category you're going to be writing in. 
Now, I want to give you a little uh, customer research hack here. Feel free to disregard the one and the five star reviews for the purposes of this exercise. Both the New York Times and Entrepreneur have published research showing that a lot of people disregard one and five star reviews um, by and large when there's you know, a wall of 100 five star reviews because it doesn't quite feel right. Like there's gotta be somebody that says something negative about this. Same with one star reviews. Yeah, this is probably, you know, this, this might be a little bit of a, a scam here, some fake reviews, but it's two, three, and four star, the, the neutral reviews where you've actually put, you know, some thought into why am I giving it a neutral review? I like these things. I didn't quite like these other things. And what you want to pay attention to for the reviews in your category, you're going to be writing your book in. What do the readers say they wanted the book to deliver that it did not? So where does the, the book description, the synopsis, the blurb for the book, where does it overpromise that the book itself under delivers? You're going to see those in the two, three, and four star reviews, and you'll notice a pattern where people say things like, you know, I purchased this book on digital marketing for a step-by-step -step process on how to figure out what my audience should be. I should target on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And all the author gave was one paragraph on, you should optimize your audience. Well, I bought the book to learn that. And so you'll see that in the two-star review. And you'll, you'll, see, you'll see the repeated themes and the, uh, the feedback there. And those are hints that you should probably be writing about that because people are literally putting money down to learn those topics. So before you've even written chapter one, you can get your future customers' feedback on what they want your book to be about. And that takes this kind of uh, chaos and, and clutter and big ideas in your head and it gets it such crystal clear 2020 clarity that you know exactly what you need to write about the stories you need to share the examples you need to use and even what mastermind you should you know casually mention in the book that is available for people who want to go the next step with you if you want to offer free resources maybe there's a there's a funnel where people can get your your templates your exercises activities fillable pdfs even uh based on material in the book all they got to do is exchange your your email to get those that of course is how you convert readers into into your high ticket clients to really amplify the uh the, um, the financial impact of your book but it really starts all to kind of bring it back to your initial question, Chris, is looking at what do your future readers want from you? Oh, that's that's so amazing. That is a huge value bomb. I And it's so true because when I go to Amazon and I look for reviews on a book, I actually look at the two, three, and four star reviews. And for you podcasters out there, you can do the exact same thing. I have, I think we have like almost all five star reviews on our podcast and my girlfriend hadn't given a review and I was like, sweetie, give it like a three or four star review. And she's like, no, and we're like, yes, please give me three or four star review. It can still be super positive. Whatever you write in a text, just make sure it's three or four stars. And she wouldn't do it. She still gave us five star. And, um, but yeah, that's so true because that's where the people uh, just like you mentioned, that's where the, the, that's the information that the people are missing that they really want. So very cool. And I'm actually going to do that. I know I do that for books, but I'm going to do that for podcasts. I'm going to check out some of the top podcasts out there and see those two, three, four star reviews and see what's missing. Maybe, maybe we can add some value to our podcast that way. So great suggestion. Um, 
What? Uh, so I, I'm really interested in this million dollar product funnel. So I'm working with entrepreneurs, you know, there's always a bottom line, right? They want to uh, maximize the value on their ROI. Uh, they want a book to become an influencer, to become a thought leader, and to to bring in some money and some passive income, or bring in more people into their funnel so they can in different uh, make money in different ways. So when you when you guys were creating the book, can you actually can you tell us whose whose book it was? Uh, yes, actually, if you if you head on over to my website, I have the full uh, the full rundown on uh, the the author himself. Uh, he's a, um, a a digital marketer. Um, interestingly enough, unsolicited, he sent me a testimony and said, "Hey, you should publish this on your website and on your YouTube channel. I love this, and this has been a very profitable process for me." So, um, you know, obviously, no no confidentiality concerns. And in that case, uh, the author's name's uh, uh, Andy Stickle specifically. Um, go go check out his his testimony. That's a quick ninety second thing in which he he shares that uh, that information. But in in his case, and this is the same best practice for uh, a lot of books that especially if you're writing in either a business category, entrepreneurship, marketing, um, even health and wellness or you know self-help categories, anytime you can offer value ads that just feel they feel stupid simple that you have to go and get this thing. So in the case of, of Andy's book and with a lot of other entrepreneurs that I work with, um, what is uh, what would cause people hesitation to um, to implement what's in the book? Right. And if in this case, the digital digital marketing space, well, I'm not a website designer. I, I run a business. I don't have time to learn the code. So in his case, well, here you can go and get some actually free templates uh, for for these landing pages, scripts for these emails, breakdowns and you know, graphics. You can download, get everything for free to almost all but instantly execute everything that's in the book. And so as the reader, you're thinking, well, why wouldn't I? I either. Try to figure out how to do myself what the author is advising, or I share my email address and get for free all of these tools that expedite the implementation. And this this is, this principle is true whether you're in digital marketing or you have a women's health specifically related to maybe hormonal balance, and that's what your book is about. You can do the same thing: is is speed up the implementation of everything that's in your uh, in your book. And interestingly enough, one of the common um, you know, one, two, and three star review uh, sentiments I noticed, particularly for books that are meant to establish a personal brand, is there is not that path into the author's tribe. The author gives away a lot of here's what you do, here's even how you do it, step-by-step -step approach. And the reviews will say, man, I just got lost and trying to figure all of this stuff out. I, I wish, I wish you know, they wrote a second book or I'm going to go buy this other book instead. You'll even see people say, this book is terrible. This other book tells you what to do. You'll see that in, uh, in, in reviews. So I think the real takeaway from that is when you make it so easy to implement what you advise in your book through a multimedia experience. In Andy's and other authors' case, that's downloadable templates, videos, audios, guides, even scripts, copy and paste, personalized scripts that you can use. Um, it makes it so much easier to not just opt into the, uh, into the funnel, but it's a much easier sell because they know that anything that they buy from you, they're going to get wildly more value than they paid. You know, 15, 20 bucks for a book, and you have basically 
a download and publish complete funnel for your business. I mean, that's just an amazing deal. It's, uh, you know, as, as stupidly obvious, I have to get this for, you know, get this, um, uh, get this often. And it's the same in any, in any industry. And then when you eventually offer the mastermind, the masterclass, the course, the consulting, the program, whatever the case may be, that is your next product up, then they know that they can trust you to over deliver whatever it is that you are selling. And in you know, Andy's case, I, I, I don't think his, his numbers are public, but he's not the, the most famous marketing expert in the world. So you don't have to be the number one you know, uh, household name in your industry um, in order to make a heck of a lot of money off your book. Mm -hmm. What's the name of Andy's book? Yes. So anybody who's a lawyer in the audience will get some value from this. And this is uh, how to get more uh, law firm clients. So specifically uh, okay. a digital marketing book for lawyers. It was a, a number one bestseller specifically in the law office marketing and advertising category. Anytime that you can say, Hey, I ranked as the number one bestseller in my industry's number one, most popular category. That's some additional, that's an additional boost to your credibility with your, your audience. I think I know some people that can use that book, so I might refer it. Um, what's the, I'm always curious about this, Joshua, the balance of having seat call to actions in the book. So, um, you know, you, you may check out like read just for example, Tony Robbins book. He's having a lot of his books have a lot of call to actions. Go to this website, like every other page, you know, or every few pages. And um, I, I wonder, you know, you're the pro. Is there how do you how do you create a healthy balance with like really great content to the point where it's not annoying the reader when they're just going to be close the book because they just think it's a marketing, you know, um, just a marketing scam or something. Right, right. I've, I've actually seen, unfortunately, books like that from very well-known people where, you know, you see it has an average 2.7 star rating. You're like, what's that all about? And you go see the one, two, three star reviews and they're all saying, I didn't realize I was buying an advertisement for their course. Um, and, and I think the, the reason why that happens is because, first of all, there are multiple calls to action to different places. Anytime you want as many readers as possible to become your high ticket clients. Just give them one link and, you know, mention that link over and over and, and over again. It makes it a lot easier so I'm not going all over the place. Now, if there are specific tools that in your funnel, like there is one over, there's a website over here. I have this, you know, I could give away a 30-day membership to this tool over here. Um, then use Bitly links and kind of come up with something cool and exciting that people are like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. Um, very easy to go and, and download that. Um, so not throwing hundred different links at people that it feels like you have to remember all of these, that would be one thing. But I think the, the test for, should I put a call to action here in this chapter, here in this section or not is, can you put the words to make this easier for you in front of your offer? So whatever you're thinking about, you know, putting, is it just going to be, go sign up for my newsletter here, go sign up for my course go watch this webinar, those aren't really compelling uh, calls to action, but rather what you want to be able to do is put in front of it to make this easier for you. So maybe if you're in the health and wellness space, you're an influencer in that space, is there a 60 to 90 second recipe video that people can watch? You know, maybe you give a recipe in the book and you could say at the bottom, 
to make this recipe easier, if it's like a new exotic recipe people haven't maybe heard of before, you have kind of your own culinary concoction there. To make this easier, go check out me making this recipe for you, you know, in front of your eyes in 60 seconds or less. So, oh, that makes it easier. It's easy to go check that out. In the case of Andy and his book, you're getting the, uh, the landing pages, um, getting all the, the free templates. Well, of course, I could either copy and, you know, I guess write out by hand, manually copy what's in the book, the scripts that are in the book, or I just go, go, just go download the text, copy, paste, and send. So that way, it's almost like you are, you're taking care of your readers rather than constantly advertising them in the, the middle of the book. That's amazing. What are the pros and the cons these days versus uh, self-publishing and going with a big publishing company? I know that, of course, self-publishing, you can make a lot more money. Uh, going with a big publishing company, you, you get your word out to uh, quite a bit more people possibly. When you're working with your clients, um, how do you choose which route to go? And, and what are the, the pros and cons of each these days? Yeah, interestingly enough, the, uh, the, the, the pros and cons are quite interesting. Um, and for traditional publishing, I've, I've helped authors that, that wanted to go down both, both paths. Um, I find that the traditional publishing benefits, um, they're fewer and further between nowadays because, strangely enough, if you want to get a traditional book deal, a, you know, a, a, an advance, have a publisher work with you and release the book three years from now, um, you can get a book deal if you can prove in your book proposal you don't need the publisher to sell a lot of copies of the book. So if you uh, if you already have that uh, that large audience, you know we're talking at least a quarter million subscribers, maybe half a million or more um, subscribers and active engaged followers, and you have a sophisticated promotion plan to sell a lot of copies, you can probably get yourself a book deal. But if you're already that well known. I mean, do you want five, 10 cents a copy sold three years from now when the book comes out? Or six months from now, do you want five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a copy sold? So there's quite that, uh, you know, quite the, quite the difference in terms of, uh, of profit from this process. I'll tell you, probably 80%, if not more, of my clients want to go an independent route. And fortunately, it's not like you either get an agent and an editor, you know, an editor hooks you up with the, uh, the, uh, the acquisitions team and you get a book deal. So it's not just I either self-publish on Amazon or I, or I get a book deal, maybe. There's new independent paths that are available. And for example, my company, Entrepreneurs Wordsmith, offers one of those. What we've done is we have looked at what is the, what is the best, uh, you know, what are the pros of traditional publishing? Things like international distribution, things like that industry standard professional quality that you can really tell a self-published book from, from a traditionally published book apart in a lot of cases. So those are some pros of traditional publishing. The pros of self-publishing, for example, are, well, higher royalties. Um, you have total editorial control of the process, whereas I had several clients go down to the traditional path, and they came back to me you know, quite frustrated saying, the editor keeps changing my words. I don't want to say it this way. I want to say it that way. But they're saying, we're not, that, that's, that's, that's a no-go. We're going to say it this way instead. So if you're the type of person that wants to have creative control over your intellectual property, and then the independent path may make sense in that in that case. So back to the blending of the pros and eliminations of the cons. We bring together the pros of self-publishing, the pros of traditional publishing, and I call it a process 
ghost publishing. So it's kind of like ghostwriting, which is when you're working with the ghostwriter, someone else does all the work, you take all the credit. And ghost publishing, someone else literally sets up an independent publishing business, an imprint in your name, on your behalf, alongside your existing business, and then your company becomes the publisher of record for your book. So you're sidestepping some of the perceived uh, quality issues of self-publishing while also having the benefits of self-publishing, such as the editorial control, the timing, you can set up the funnel however you please it to be uh, to maximize your revenue and the number of doors that your books open. So that process, that ghost publishing path, uh, most uh, of my clients wanna go that route um, because it really is the best of both worlds. And when you compare that to you know, working with uh, freelance ghostwriters that are, that are out there, you go that route working with the freelancer, the final deliverable that you get as part of the process is a Word document, a PDF, right? So, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I've actually had several people say that in the early days. Okay, so you wrote a manuscript. Now what am I supposed to do? And so now it's a whole other adventure. But when we go with the ghostwriting plus ghost publishing, you're not buying a Word document. You are literally buying a business. And your book is available, your masterpiece is available in print, in digital, and in audiobook. Because nowadays, roughly 20% of book sales are the audio edition of the book. Um, and not only that, but if you go and look at the most popular business categories, the bestseller categories on Amazon, you'll see that about half of the books on the top of the bestseller list, they're the audio edition of the book. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. I, I've heard of a lot of people that, not a lot of people, but uh, there's people out there that are making more money um, from Audible than from the sale of their paperback book or even Kindle book uh, when they launch when they launch it. But that that mentality is is really great because you said that um, when you're you're not buying a PDF of of I think you said and you're not buying a PDF or a Word doc, you're buying a business. And I think if entrepreneurs can understand that a bit more, they're like, uh, then they can see the value in, in working with you or other ghostwriters um, in creating this sort of, it's a, it's a solid product for your business. You're investing in a funnel and it's a marketing, um, it's a marketing channel and it's something that can really, uh, can significantly change your business. So it's a really great mindset. Roughly how much does it cost to, to work with you? Yeah, so it wildly depends on what type of support an, an author is looking for. We have every everything from the, the total done-for-you package, the ghostwriting and, and ghost publishing. Uh, if you're starting from scratch, we'll, we'll work with you. But, you know, there are authors who have, you know, I, I, I want to I be the author. I want someone to kind of co-write this thing with me. Uh, we kind of be my book coach slash mentor slash therapist <laughs> as part of this process. Uh, and that is, a, is for as little as, as US 1500 uh, a month. And then it goes up from there, depending on what type of additional support that they that they may uh, they may look for, and you know it, it can you know vary pretty, you know, quite a bit depending on how sophisticated their process is. I've had uh, a few authors they want to do multiple books, uh, you know, as part of as part of a single project, releasing one after the next, you know. So in that case, if if it's a sophisticated project, you know, it it can be up into uh, the, the low six figures for that type of uh, type of a product. But again, you're literally buying a business that. Should you have an audience platform from day one, 
you're all but guaranteed to be making that return on investment quickly. And one of the things that we've also added to the ghost publishing process is the best kept secret of making money off of a book. And that is author sponsorship. So uh, the great example I always like to share, uh, this, the story goes, everyone I know has probably heard of, of Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad, you know, kind of the rich dad nation, right? Yeah. yeah, you read that book. I'm, I'm sure. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. one of the, the, as the story goes, one of the ways that uh, Robert became a household name was through uh, through sponsorship. Actually, in working with um, uh, working alongside Amway, that's how my parents uh, heard about the Rich Dad Poor Dad as they were in uh, in Amway back at the time. And the sponsorship goes like this: You, as the author, you have an audience of of readers that you want to reach. Well. There are brands, there are businesses that also want to reach those same individuals. So why not team up and make it happen? You, the author, would literally be getting paid to sell books. So this can look like, you know, let's say there's a, there's a Fortune 500 company that want to reach it, that, that wants to reach um, the uh, the same audience that you're reaching. Well, for example, the CEO could pay you one hundred thousand dollars to write the foreword to your book. And the business then goes about promoting your book internally to their tens of thousands of employees and also promoting it to their customer base. Again, if it's a shared market. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how sponsorship works because you don't necessarily have to uh, be the household name yet. So long as you're committed to marketing the heck out of your book and reaching the same market that, um, that a brand or that a, that a business wants to reach. And we have someone that works alongside of uh, the Entrepreneur's Wordsmith who assists authors to get those sponsorship, uh, sponsorships. And previous corporate sponsorship this individual, uh, Linda, has gotten have been from like American Airlines, Bank of America, uh, Walmart, um, you know, big Fortune 500 companies with deep pockets to promote books. Uh, that are reaching the same market that they want to reach. So all uh, return and investment stones, if you will, we leave none of them unturned as part of the ghost publishing process. That is genius. How often do you think, do you, would you say authors are, are getting sponsorships? Well, let's just ask, are they getting sponsorships when they work with you also? Yes, that's that's part of the process. The person who's okay. uh, who's on our team, her name is Linda. She has uh, quite a quite a track record. Linda Hollander is his name or is her name. Incredible track record with corporate sponsorship. Uh, I believe it's both Inc. and Entrepreneur have have described her as the world's leading expert on on corporate entrepreneurship. So it's it's really or corporate uh, sponsorship rather. So it's quite an amazing experience that the authors for the first time ever realize that. There, there are other companies that can believe in their book as much as uh, as much as they believe in it, and not only that, but they will literally pay you to sell books. And that can be anything from you know a a, a, a CEO writing the forward to your book and paying paying you to be able to do that. That can be a speaking tour that you get paid, and you go and conducting workshops on behalf of the company, sharing some some tips and secrets from your book. You know, paid speaking gigs. It can even be, uh, I know of one example in the health and wellness space, uh, doing webinars where, you know, the health and wellness author writes about a particular type of a supplement, a vitamin in her book, has a sponsorship from the supplement company, and the supplement company promotes her webinars 
pays her to do these webinars, promotes her, sells the book, you know, show up, show up, you get a free copy of the book, that sort of a thing, show up live to the webinar. So you don't even have to travel internationally uh, to take advantage of, of corporate sponsorship. But, you know, there's so many different ways when you go the, the independent path nowadays to turn a book into an opportunity attractor and moneymaker for your brand. How cool. What would you say, like, if somebody wanted to write a book and they wanted to go the independent self-publishing route, um, what would be the minimum size of audience that you would recommend uh, them at least have before they go ahead and write their book? Yes, yes. So as opposed to the traditional publishing uh, publishing path, uh, which is, you know, a literary agent will say, okay, we want to see at least a quarter million subscribers, email subscribers, if not more for, uh, for you know, even kind of a, a nice deal. Um, and what I'm seeing for aspiring thought leaders, aspiring authors, I've seen people make a good return on investment from their book from having even fewer than a thousand subscribers um well one particular case i think he had about 2600 email subscribers uh the book did very very well um gosh and these are these are strangely small audience sizes but the thing is you don't have to sell thousands and thousands of copies of your book if your book is designed to generate leads for your business. We also help authors use that, the free plus shipping and handling funnel where basically they're getting leads for free, whereas you know the, the free plus shipping model where you pay $9 you know, for the book to cover shipping and handling, what's really happening there when you've ever accepted one of those offers, it's free plus shipping and handling and printing costs and advertising costs. So the idea is to break even on generating leads off of you know, Facebook or YouTube with the free plus, uh, plus shipping offer. And in that case, if you're doing that, maybe you have 50 people on your email list if you're taking that approach. Or if you have a very small audience and you're committed to doing speaking engagements, you want to do a bunch of podcast interviews because your topic is really relevant, maybe even ripped from the headlines, so to speak, and you're the expert on a hot topic right now, um, then you can really take advantage of the journalist interest in the topic, podcasters interest in a, in a hot topic right now. So, uh, you know, I know it surprises a lot of authors when they realize they don't have to have millions of fans online to make a go of this. And I always like to refer back to a quote attributed to Jay Conrad Levinson, the guerrilla marketing guy. And the, the quote goes, people have asked him, you know, how much money he made off of his book or off of his books, rather, the guerrilla marketing series, specifically the first one, the first guerrilla marketing book. And Jay is supposed to have said $10 million from, from Guerrilla Marketing. Of course, as Jay said, the book royalties only paid him about $30,000 over the lifetime of the book. But the spinoff books, consulting, speaking engagements, paid newsletters, premium programs, all amounted to that remaining $9,970,000. So have that mindset when you're, you're writing your book because you're not thinking, how can I sell 100,000 copies of this? I have had authors that have sold tens of thousands of books, but in those cases, it's again, how do I convert readers into clients as fast as possible? And you know, that, that answer is going to be for you. How can you maze it, make it you know, almost stupid easy to implement everything in your book? What additional resources or tools can you, can you pull and, and you mention in the book that are available? And, uh, and that's how you convert readers into buyers. That's so amazing. When somebody comes in and works with you, Joshua, uh, you know, you're the, you're the 
the ghost rider, how much are they actually writing compared to, and I'm sure it differs, but I'm, have you ever got a book from somebody and, and you're like, this is horrible. I, I, it, it can't sell. <laughs> Many times, but of course, I never say that because the, yeah, the, sure. job, the job of the ghostwriter is not to be the literary critique individual, right. rather the person who's looking for the greatness, the uniqueness in that in that individual's book. So there, there have been books. In fact, I had one a couple of years ago. It was uh, a 250,000 word nonfiction uh, philosophy and philosophy and self-help book. Obviously, nowadays, kind of the, the sweet spot for a nonfiction book your ceiling is about 75,000 words. So I kind of felt like David, uh, you know, Michelangelo with the, the David, you know, I'm chiseling away everything in the marble that's not David, <laughs> you know, and that really is what my, uh, my, my job is, just to see what is the best unique idea that they're presenting that's never been presented this way before. And as part of the process, we identify the author's log line. So logline is, if anyone in the publishing industry is listening, you would know what this is, but it's also called a blog, a pitch, uh, maybe even a short synopsis. Basically, what's the elevator pitch for your book in one or two sentences or less? And what we want to do is have that logline, that pitch, when your intended audience hears that or reads that, they say, wow, I've never seen that before. I have to go buy that book. Or... Oh, I've never heard it quite put like that before, or even, I mean, it's possible to do that. And of course their curiosity is promoted and they have to go check out, uh, check out your book. And so there are authors that I, that, that come to me, they already have a first draft that's done, or they even said to me, this is actually a final draft, just needs a quick line edit. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe there's, there's no typos. It's, it's spelling and grammar free, but it's nothing new. It's nothing entertaining or, or educating in such a way that it's going to get attention from, you know, from cold traffic and organic searches on Amazon. So we kind of need to really take a, a look at what's going to be the most persuasive angle. And I always, I always tell people, you know, my job is to help you write the best version of your book. Well, there's a lot of authors who love and enjoy writing. And so they say, you know, I, I really enjoy writing. It's been a great creative outlet but I don't feel like the manuscript I've produced is quite what it needs to be. And I'll help them out. And yet there are other authors that say to me, I had one guy last week, he said, I've wanted to write a book for three weeks now. <laughs> what do I do? I have a half a page outline. And in that case, what we typically do is we'll, we'll meet for an hour a week for one, two, maybe even three months. And in those conversations, I, I call them uninterviews because they're not really like a journalist badgering you with, uh, with a, a microphone in your face, but rather it's like a friend in a coffee shop where we're chilling, we're, we're having an informal, casual back and forth conversation. And it's through those uninterviews, you know, over a couple of months that we elicit the full scope um, of the manuscript from their head, their stories, the unique experiences. Um, and if there's anything else that comes up throughout the week, we use tools like WhatsApp or Voxer uh, to get kind of some back and forth uh, voice recordings or even phone. We can record those as well um, in order to get those additional stories or supporting points. And it's my job really to format everything, lay it out in the order that makes sense, apply the best practices of book templates, of chapter structure, all those things that authors like, you don't want to worry about. What your job is, is to be the uncensored version of yourself. Tell it like it is, don't hold back, 
And it's like when, if you're, you're writing a book yourself, and I used this analogy the other day with an author who actually today became a, became a client. She was saying how, you know, when she sits in front of her, her, her computer to write, it's like she, she can't speak her mind. She can't tell her truth right there on the page. And I said, well, the reason why is, it, you know, it, 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 it feels like you're staring into a mirror. And you see everything in your mirror. The looking in the mirror is, is not always you know, super comfortable, especially if you're staring at a mirror for more than a minute. Like imagine how comfortable, uncomfortable, and even strange that feels. You're like, after a while, why am I looking at myself? And that's what the process of, of writing a book can feel like to some authors. But rather when they're, they're working with, uh, with the ghostwriter, they can just be the person that they, that they want to be. They can speak their mind, be the uncensored version of their self. Uh, of themselves and let someone else worry about making it sound professional and persuasive and putting it all in the right order and all that that's going to contribute to making a masterpiece of a manuscript. Um, what are some quick and easy hacks for getting over writer's block? Like if you're if you're stuck on on something and uh, you want to write it, but like th this is what like if I'm writing copy or something, I'll I'll go do some exercise or I'll meditate or I'll um, you know, just walk around and do some body movement and it, it helps me get into a more productive state or I'll get a good night's sleep. What, are, what, are, what do you tell your clients if they're stuck and they have writer's block? Yes. Yes. So one of the, the, the steps in the process is actually what I mentioned at the, at the beginning about going and looking at what are, what are readers saying specifically that they, that they want from, uh, from, from future books in your category. What that'll help you do is eliminate all the things that you could write about. So you know exactly what you should write about. So that narrows your focus quite a bit and you're no longer saying, asking yourself, should I say this? Should I say that? Do people even want to want to know about this? Are they going to care about this? So that's kind of the high level solution, you know, I guess, um, uh, obstacle demolisher that is, um, you know, taking care of writer's block, but for specific things like, man, I'm not exactly sure how I want to, how I want to say this. I think the best piece of advice is how would you explain it to a six year old? And I think, well, and then often they'll say, you'll, they'll start with a parable or a story or they'll say, you know, that reminds me. And then they'll tell a story from maybe their childhood or they'll, they'll share a personal experience or just kind of go off on a very profitable, useful tangent. And we realize, oh, the problem is not that we've, we've hit an obstacle. It's a problem that we're, we're, we're using a language tier too high or being too high level, too abstract about this. We need to be concrete, real, visual, and allow people to, to see this in their, in their mind's eye. And so when we think about how you explain it to a six-year-old, well, you have to keep things concrete and simple and practical and tactile rather than you know, abstract and, and complex. So by simply asking yourself that question and then start kind of free writing a little bit, you find yourself making a lot more sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Um, I, I want to move and talk about uh, influencers a bit more, but before we do, I wonder if we could dissect that that million dollar product funnel just a little bit more so we went from andy's andy's book and then he had call to actions about going to his website uh and he had some obviously some free value ads and products that he was offering did he have numerous or did he just have one website Yes. So, so in his case, the, uh, I believe all of them actually were, it was one simple call to action 
repeated uh, several times throughout the book. Real simple, kind of a, a one one gateway, so to speak, for um, most of his resources. There were a couple of different tools that were that were available that he recommended that were were outside of the main uh, the main product funnel. But by and large, the vast majority of them were, you know, for this resource, go to this one place. For this other resource, it's going to make it a lot easier to implement um, what's in the book. Go back to that same uh, that that same link, and so repeatedly people are realizing just how valuable it is to go to that link, get into the funnel and, and get those resources. And then from that point, they are invited to a, a webinar where the author expands on the content um, that, that's in the book using uh, like tutorials, how to's, sharing what uh, other clients experiences have been like, here's how this uh, how does, here's how this attorney was able to implement this chapter in the book, even like that level of specificity so that people can imagine themselves, not only doing what's in the book, but of course, working directly with, uh, with the author. And then about halfway through the webinar, I believe there's the actual offer for the, uh, for the masterclass where it's even deeper specific tutorials, step-by-step how-tos. Um, and, and essentially what it allows you to do because the topic is digital marketing is here's how to design a digital marketing department inside of your law firm uh, in order to market your law firm online, get more law clients without having to do the work yourself. So there's a, a component on like hiring and, and training and overseeing a virtual team without wasting hours of your time having to go back and forth with employees or working directly with an agency or as, as Andy says, without getting screwed by a marketing company because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of office or a lot of lawyers who'll tell you some, uh, some wild stories about uh, you know, feeling scammed by some, some digital marketers out there. And so in that respect, Andy is saving a people from, uh, from, from not just the uncertainty about how do I do this, but time. Because if you're a high-level professional like an attorney, you, know, you don't want to be on Canva.com for five hours creating a Facebook, you know, a Facebook uh, cover photo. You don't have time for that. So every, every level of, of, of Andy's, I guess, product funnel, there's even more value that's available. And the, the value, I think, is making it easier to get bigger results faster without wasting time or money. And what I just said there, getting results faster and easier without wasting time or money, that's the offer that is pretty much universal. Whether you are you know, in digital marketing for law firms like Andy or you are and health and wellness or self-help or another different type of a business venture, you can apply that principle to the, uh, to the funnel that's attached to your book as well. How cool. So, so we went from, okay, call to action and then to the webinar and to the masterclass and the webinar, uh, did, I don't know if you mentioned it as a free webinar. Yes. Yes. Free webinar. I, I believe it's, a, it was about, uh, about two hours, the version that I saw and it's about halfway through where uh, the, 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 uh, I guess the outline of the, of the masterclass is, is laid out there. Um, but I'll tell you one of, one of Andy's uh, secrets, and I guess it's, it's public, but publicly available is consistent um, outreach to your audience, multimedia. So any uh, lawyers and attorneys are listening, if you find yourself um, you know, learning from, from Andy, you'll find out that there's, there's a social media group. You'll find that there's, uh, there's a YouTube channel with daily videos, daily trainings. You find that there's daily emails as, as well because nobody opens 100% 
of emails they get from a list they subscribe to or read 100% of Facebook posts or read 100% or watch 100% of, of videos um, or engage with 100% of social media uh, content. So one of the ways that Andy consistently adds value to authors, and I advise all clients to do this, is daily valuable content. So by valuable, everything has a how-to component. It's how to do this little thing that's really important, how to avoid making the stupid mistake, how to avoid wasting time or wasting money. So in, in Andy's case, even if you didn't buy on the, on the webinar, you're still learning about his, his masterclass from his daily emails or his YouTube videos. You can post any question you have in his group. So you can engage directly with the author. I'm telling a lot of my authors and showing them how to do this same thing where one of the great, um, the great uh, uh, benefits of your book can be you get to join an exclusive group and talk directly to the author and have Q&A directly with the author, which especially for your more well-known public figures, insanely valuable. If, you know, again, joining and being part of the, being part of the email list, kind of being part of that tribe where every day you're learning something new and useful and just like, you know what, there's so much value here. I just need to join the masterclass and get all of it in one swoop and have someone else implement this for me. And that's what, what the, the case is for Andy and his masterclass on basically how to build a digital marketing department inside of your law firm. Do you know the, the price Andy was selling his masterclass for? I, I don't know that offhand, but I know some more details that, that you're asking about, Chris, are in, the, uh, are in the video that he shot for me that's on my website. So that, that'll give okay. some folks some more details about what his experience was like becoming a, not just an author, but an authorpreneur. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I like that. Um, one of the things I really love about what you do, Joshua, is you, you know, we're interviewing these major influencers that have had a significant impact in either building a business or a network and then creating a business around that. And you're in many ways, the go-to man for a lot of people when it comes to, uh, learning and, and growing their influence. And, uh, I know you have the, the six pillars of influential content that you talk about. Do you care uh, about diving in into that for a little bit? Yes, let's head on in. So I, I know that most listeners, you'll be familiar with Robert Cialdini's uh, six principles of influence. And this is a kind of a, a different take on that and that idea. It's the six pillars of influential content and content being anything from a 300 word blog post or article on LinkedIn to a 300 page book that's you know coming out and is going to be a New York Times bestseller. So let's talk about the six pillars that you want to build every piece of content on. The first pillar is credibility. Now, what's credibility? You're like, well, I have an amazing resume. You know, I have all these accolades, all of these credentials, all of these experiences. That's not so much what I'm, what I'm referring to. With credibility, what are you uniquely credible about? So for, you know, I, I always like to, to practice what I preach. So for, for me, my unique credibility is the fact that I am the only award-winning celebrity recommended number one international best-selling certified professional ghostwriter on the planet. Now, there are other ghostwriters, there are other people that work with celebrities, there's other award-winning writers, but I'm the one that has all of those uniquely uh, uh, assigned to me. And everyone listening, you have your own unique credibility angle. And for a lot of people, it's their lived experience. 
what background you come from that's different from other people. What even doesn't show up on your resume or CV or even in your, in your bio or your bullet list of, uh, of um, accomplishments, but rather showing that you've not just talked the walk, but you've walked the walk as well personally. So that's why in the very first chapter of your book, it makes a lot of sense to share that story that has made you uniquely credible and the person to write this book. Um, and it's the same in, in, uh, in if you're writing you know, a brief article, share something about you and your unique experience that makes you, a, again, a unique, credible voice on this topic. So that's the first pillar, credibility. The second pillar is connection. And this is where you want to concretely explain how your ideas, systems, methods, processes, help people get the results that they want. So when you think about your customer, your, your avatar, psychographically speaking, what do they desire? What are their beliefs? What, what goals do they have that maybe they have difficulty achieving? So when you're writing your book or you're working on your next blog post, make sure that what you're gonna talk about is actually gonna help people get what they want. So it's not just, well, I wanna write a book because I you know, wanna be credible or I wanna be, establish, my, establish my brand as the go-to brand. Well, let's, let's, let's do that, but let's also make sure that your framework you're laying out in this book or the system that you're sharing is gonna be connected to what people actually want so that by following your system, your framework, your process, they'll actually see a noticeable improvement. They'll get results by doing what it is that you say. So having connection between your content and the results that people desire is critical for being able to influence people. The third pillar, compelling. And I always like to say that the compelling pillar is simply this. Don't write a textbook. <laughs> the type of textbook <laughs> that the college makes you buy that no one ever reads, including the professor. That's not what, that's not what people want. And I, I, this is especially useful tip for uh, academics, for people who come from uh, institutions, they have advanced degrees, and they're used to writing for industry colleagues at that professional academic uh, clinical level and not the everyday vernacular. And kind of the, the hard and fast rule for this is you wanna write at a fifth grade level, not at that professional level where every other word is six syllables, but rather again, like you're talking to someone with no more than fifth grade education. That's the industry standard within the, the publishing world of what level to write at. And there's a great and easy way that you can check this, check your writing, um, Hemingway app, uh, just Google Hemingway app or go to, um, uh, go to HemingwayApp.com, copy your text, paste your chapter or your blog in there, and it'll show you in a couple of seconds what, uh, what grade you're at. So by writing at that fifth grade level, you compel people to keep reading. And well, obviously keeping reading, you know, keep reading is important because when people finish books, they tell other people about them. According to Nielsen, um, word of mouth marketing is 92% more effective than any other form of marketing. So people don't finish your book because they keep having to go check Merriam-Webster or dictionary.com to understand what it is you're talking about, or if there's a lot of abstract concepts, your content unfortunately is not compelling. So head on over to Hemingway, Hemingway app and they'll help you out over there. So that's the third pillar, compelling. The fourth pillar is counter industry. And I love this one because most of my clients tend to consider themselves controversial. Now, controversial not being like they're, they get all political or anything like that, 
but controversial in that they disagree with what the so-called experts in the industry have to say. The you know the the type of people who um, you know are are on every show, and in a lot of cases, my clients will say everything they say is wrong. This is how it is. This is how it needs to be done instead. Um, and whether it's business or wellness, if you and your message, if you have a point, a concept, a truth, a story, a framework that goes against a lot of the reigning advice in the industry, that's going to be very useful because you, my friend, are now different. And not just different, but you can show how a lot of the popular advice is wrong. And that's something that Andy does really, really well. And I promise you all, I'm not, I'm not being paid by Andy to promote his book <laughs> for, for, for law office marketing. But one of the things that Andy does in his book really well is go counter to a lot of the advice on traditional marketing and advertising that not just lawyers, but small business owners generally are hearing. Frankly, anybody that owns a small business or heck, a large business would get a lot of use from his, his book on how to find clients online without you know, wasting time and uh, without wasting time and money. And so Andy does a really good job of being counter industry and calling out how he is different and how his system is different from everything else that's out there. And that's really going to help you and your message. I'll set it apart from uh, existing brands and influencers in your space. The fifth pillar is the call to action. I think we've done a good job of explaining the, the call to action already. And this is where you just tell people what to do next. The worst books are those that just end. You know, you turn the last page and it says about author. Okay, well, now what? If, if you've persuaded me to adopt your ideas, you're doing both of us a disservice by not offering me a free resource or a kind of a, an easy to follow gate or path into your, uh, into your brand. It's the same with, with blog posts, you know, it, it, towards the beginning, in the middle, at the end, if it's, if it's a longer blog post you're writing, a longer article, have the same call to action show up a few times. If you have a webinar that you've been working on, slap the opt-in, the registration form right there, uh, you know, towards the beginning, maybe a third of the way through, two-thirds of the way through, and then right at the, the very end. And, and again, it's, it's all about letting people know that you can help them implement what you've just told them easier, faster, and cheaper than just about anything else that's out there. And so that way, it becomes easy to say yes to your call to action. That's the fifth pillar. And then the sixth pillar, circulation. We actually discussed this uh, very early on, and that is what is it that your future customers want from books that they're already buying? I think in the case of podcasts, it would apply here. The idea of circulation is that you're reaching a lot of people who are all potential word of mouth marketers for your brand, your business, your book, your podcast. So opening up your content, to what it is that people actually want to hear, what they want to read, what they want to see, what they want to learn will allow you to have circulation potential because you're not writing for yourself, you're writing for the world and the world of future customers for you in, in that case. So those are the six pillars of influential content. Build your next book, your first book on these six pillars or write your next uh, LinkedIn article on these and you will experience a major boost and in influence, my friend. I'm going to try that out, Joshua. And actually, that sounds like a great book. Maybe you should uh, turn that into a book one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> um, 
What have you learned about influence? I know you've worked with some pretty amazing people. I mean, uh, we talked about Andy and and some of the other people that you've worked with. Um, when handling influence, Joshua, and, and working with these influencers, what are some of the key things that you keep in mind to make sure that they're uh, that they're um, managing a good reputation and also um, putting content out there that's that's uh, good quality content, you know, because there's a lot of sloppy influencers out there and, and they get a bad name. And so uh, what do you keep in the back of your head when working with these people to make sure that, that the stuff you put out there is, is really great and it's not going to uh, have any collateral damage? Absolutely. And so there's, there's a couple tips. They're, they're somewhat similar. Two sides of the same coin might be an appropriate analogy for this. And again, this, this, this applies to my clients whose audiences are in the millions. And this even includes someone myself who's kind of the, the influencer behind the influencer. Um, the first, the first, I guess, half of the tip is talk about what people want to know. Now I know that's simple, but the execution is where this really counts. What is it that people want to know? Well, don't guess. Go to Google, use your favorite keyword planner, use keywords everywhere. If, an auth if you're an author, go buy Publisher Rocket. All of these are tools that you can use to find out what people wanna know, actually, and, and the exact words that they, that they use. One of the ways, probably about half of my clients find me online from all over the world. I have clients from Moscow to Manila, uh, you know, here in, uh, in South America, over in Brazil, over to, to South Africa, to Sydney, Australia. People find me all over the world because my content, I all base it on what people want to know. And keywords related to ghostwriting, book marketing, book publishing, I use those specific words in my video and article titles. So I don't need to get millions of views to, uh, to, to you know, influence a lot of people enough to become clients of mine. And it's the same when you're writing articles. What are the, the top keywords that have high search volume and low competition? Use those, in your, uh, use those in your titles, use those in the subtitles, in the descriptions, throughout. You know, the, the SEO best practices that are out there are going to be your friend. When it comes to writing a book, use that same strategy for chapter titles section titles. Include those keywords in the book description that goes on the back of the book. I brought up Publisher Rocket because that's a tool that tells you with just about 100% precision, if you rank well for this specific keyword, here's how much money you can expect to make off your book on Amazon this month in sales alone. It's, it's an amazing tool. I think it's only like $97. Uh, amazing tool. And that tells you exactly what it is that not just people want to know about, but what people want to know from you, the influencer, that they're willing to pay you to learn about. So whether you're putting out free content out there, uh, I use a tool called, um, called Keywords. Uh, keywords everywhere. It's a premium tool for YouTube and Google lookup, and you can see what some other related keywords are. Create your content around that. Become the dominant, useful expert on that one specific topic, creating the video, creating an article along with the video for that piece of content. That's a great strategy. It's, it's, it's proven itself for my business, for my authors, organizations, and the same applies to uh, your book and writing about what people want to know, even to the point that your book description is full of 
keywords that are exactly what people are searching. Now, just don't be the keyword stuffer that you can't even read a <laughs> sentence because every other phrase is a keyword. One of the best places to put these keywords in your book description on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, and elsewhere is a list of bullets, a list of five to 12 bullets about what people are going to learn, such as how to this, 10 secrets about this. And of course, those are great places to put the keywords that people are searching so that when people arrive at your book, they say, wow, that's exactly what I was looking for. I'm going to go buy this book. And of course, a publisher rocket can help you figure that out. So that's the first half of the uh, first half of the tip for influence and boosting your influence. Talk about what people want to know. And that's how you find out with, with you know, just about perfect precision what people want to know. And the second part of this tip for influence is a bit more interesting in terms of its qualitative aspects. And that is talk about what people know that ain't so. To kind of paraphrase Mark Twain a little bit there. My mentor, uh, my sales mentor, her name's Heather Prostansky. She calls this broken belief. So what are broken beliefs that your audience has that you know aren't true and then create content dismantling those beliefs, those myths, those objections. If, and, and given that you know, you're, you're listening right now, you as an influencer, as a leader, you're selling something, whether it's yourself or your business or products or services, you know how to handle objections. So before you get into that sales situation, that one-to-one -one or group, you know, whether it's audience or it's a webinar, and you're handling objections to the sale, why don't you pre-handle those objections that people have to your product, to your offer that you know aren't true? Beliefs about their own inability to execute. I'll give you a great example of this. One of the things that a lot of aspiring authors know that ain't so is that they have to do a lot of the writing work themselves. And so it's like, well, you know, I could work with this ghostwriter, pay him, but I still got to write all this stuff. I say, actually, all I need is an hour of your time once a week. And they're like, really? That's all? I had no idea. And right there, that, that broken belief about the commitment of time for working with a ghostwriter is instantly taken care of. And you'll notice quite a few of the videos on my, my YouTube channel, again, I don't need millions of views to have a, to have a, great, uh, a great lead generation online uh, system because I'm dismantling those beliefs. And for you, those of you who are listening, think about the top objections. And if you have a sales page for a product, you've already included those objections in the frequently asked questions where you talk about like, will this thing really work for me if I'm ABC exception to the, uh, to the rule? And you've already thought this through with the copy that you've written for products and services. So turn these into videos, address these topics in chapters so that what people know that ain't so, you can replace it with the truth. And whether or not people ultimately work with you, or not, you have done them a service. You have benefited your fellow human being by replacing a false belief with the truth. Very true, very true. You were talking about creating titles, and I was reading actually through your website earlier, Joshua, and you have excellent copy, by the way. I noticed that as you know, one paragraph in. Um, but uh, now that we're kind of towards the end of this podcast, what would you think would be a good title for this show? 
a good title for this show? Well, I would probably use something around, uh, yeah, on influence and, uh, and, and content. Uh, I know that one of the super popular words that's actually related to, to writing books is make money from a book. It's one of them. And I think we've talked about quite a few ways, uh, quite a few ways to do that. Um, I think, you know, something around uh, six principles of influence that gets, uh, that gets quite a few, um, uh, quite a few searches a month, but I, I think uh, the bulk of our topic has been about how to turn a uh, how to turn a book into a real money maker. So that's probably the keyword that I would use to get you some serious organic traffic: is make <laughs> money from a book. And I maybe like you know another one I know is really popular is professional ghostwriter, celebrity ghostwriter is another popular keyword out there. Of course, I know this because I create content on these videos. <laughs> so maybe um, you know six secrets to make money from a book according to a celebrity ghostwriter. And there they see oh, right there's solid. there's a bunch of different ones right there. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use the, the title now. Oh. Uh, so any we're gonna wrap things up, Joshua. And actually um I, I really appreciate like the the transparency and, and everything you opened up to us. It's a lot of really good value bombs here. And I love it when we get guests on the show. And and I know that I know that I know that I know that people are just going to either be taking notes while they're listening to the podcast or they're going to be, you know, writing down your information or they're just learning and soaking up this 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 uh, knowledge because you've put in so many value bombs here. It's it's really great. Um, if and, and I've got a few things to a couple a couple more questions. First, do you have any final tips before we wrap things up? Final things to say. Yes, yes, I do, I do, and it has to do with uh, you know going back to the writer's block question that you that you brought up. I remember on a, on another uh, podcast interview I was doing a couple of weeks ago, um, I I got the same question. What's your last last piece of advice that you that you want to share with people? It was it was a personal branding podcast, so I think it'll be relevant for those of you who are listening now because obviously you want to to boost your personal brand, your visibility, and establish yourself as the thought leader in your space. It has to do with a word that's really popular now, and that word is vulnerability. In your personal brand, the content you're creating, whether it's the book or it's the short article that you're posting online, the, the blog article, doing vulnerability right is how Chris is doing it. Transparency. How to do it wrong is to tell a story about failure, a disastrous failure related to your area that you want to be known as an expert in. So yes, you're going to get a thousand shares. People are going to say, yes, girl, you go for it. They're going to say in the comments, this is amazing. But are they going to buy? Are they going to trust that you're the expert in this area that they just read a 2000 word article about how you've experienced failure after failure after failure in this space? Now that's different. Vulnerability, that's different from transparency, which is things like sharing the numbers, giving behind the scenes. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't. A great personal brand out there that does this, of course, is Pat Flynn and Smart Passive Income. His first kind of a personal brand tagline was uh, the crash test dummy of online business because he showed you the numbers. He showed you what worked and what didn't. And you trusted him because he was transparent. He shared the good, the bad, and the ugly, but most importantly, he shared just how good the good can be. Expertise established, credibility intact. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
Joshua, um, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your tips and your tricks and all your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. So thank you for coming on the show. Sure thing, Chris. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. If the listeners wanted to reach out and learn more about what you have going on, uh, the best place, entrepreneurwordsmith.com. Any other, any other place you'd like to direct them? Yeah, What's entre- your call to action? Uh, my, my call to yeah. action is, well, actually, I've got, got, got a couple ones, but fortunately, they're in the yes. same place because I follow my own advice. If you go to <laughs> entrepreneurswordsmith.com, entrepreneurs, plural, wordsmith, spell, spell, like Word and Smith, entrepreneurswordsmith.com, you'll find a couple of really useful tools. One of which is a book revenue calculator that lets you know with a conservative estimate how much money you can expect to make off your book if you launched today. So it looks at things like your audience size, your following, your, your price points of your products, your programs, your services, and that can really tell you if it makes sense to approach, uh, approach a book as a revenue opportunity or if it makes sense to build up your audience a little bit more first. So that's a great, a great tool you'll find there above the fold on the website. You'll also find in the menu at the top a book ideas generator that helps you kind of clarify based on who your audience is and what your industry is, what subject, what even title with some keywords in there your book could be called or what your log line would be. Remember, the log line is the elevator pitch for the book. So in 30 seconds, you can have me create <laughs> create the, uh, the elevator pitch for your winning book. And of course, both of those you can find pretty easily right there at entrepreneurswordsmith.com. I've also mentioned I have a ton of book writing, marketing, and publishing trainings. Those are over at uh, my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube or Google, search Joshua Lysak, and you will find me and those 75 or so uh, trainings. You make it so easy, Joshua. You you really do. It's just like, oh, I've got to go check it out now. <laughs> um, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to wrap up there. Listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. And I want to say, if you want to check out any of Josh's stuff, just go to his website, entrepreneurswordsmith.com. He's got really great copy also, so check that out as well. And uh, And we'll wrap up there, you guys, and see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.